everybody welcome back to another episode of the nomad strength show after a few weeks off taking a bit of a break coming out of summer and we are back got tons of great episodes lined up for you and we're gonna dive right into it today with this one which i'm really excited about today on the podcast i'm joined by drew kohlhofer from Selway Archery. Drew is a traditional bow, traditional hunting enthusiast. He's grown up in the traditional archery world and has hunted that way his entire life and has operated and been the head guy over at Selway Archery for several years now. They make awesome uh, traditional bow quivers that are made from hides and they can do all kinds of cool custom things with them. They're, they're really high quality stuff and they're awesome. I was really excited to get to talk to Drew in this episode today in this conversation because there was a lot of stuff in this traditional archery realm that I just am really appreciating from a standpoint of community. And that's one of the things I wanted to get into with Drew was to talk about the community around uh, trad hunting, traditional archery, recurves, longbows, all that kind of stuff. And Drew gives a lot of really great perspective on all of that. We get to talk about uh, the, the finer points of becoming a better hunter versus just being a better shooter, the types of things that you learn when you have to get within you know, 20 yards of an animal that you just don't get when you don't have to be any closer than 60 right or if you're rifle hunting all the way out to several hundred yards so we got to talk a lot about that stuff and um, just the finer points of of hunting in general it was a really fun conversation i'd encourage you guys to go check out selway archery if you're a traditional bowman at all go get one of their uh, on bow quivers they're awesome super high quality and uh without further ado let's dive into All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. Today, I am joined by fellow trad bow enthusiast, uh, Drew Kohlhofer. And uh, sorry, man, it's early. We've already talked about our experiences this early morning. We're recording super early in the morning, and we've had uh, quite the... uh, quite the experience on my end anyways with exploding french presses and cleaning up messes in the dark in the kitchen and stuff already but we're here and we're making it happen but drew man thanks for making time i'm excited to get into some stuff with you today dude yeah no thanks for having me on that um we've uh connected and share some uh similar interests outside of trad bows as well musically and yeah i'm excited yeah yeah yeah, man, that's a that's a funny one. You bring that up because there was uh, that that start. I don't remember how that started, but we realized that the the two of us are basically twins when it comes to a lot of our our music interests. And so there's a lot of just going back and sending each other music links and stuff like that, which is always fun. But I want to get into. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to get into with with archery and and what you're doing, uh, obviously. But uh, I want to start with the with the business with with selway archery you do the custom-made quivers and and stuff so how did you how how did all that come about 
how did all that come about for you? Where did you come into it, and and how's it kind of been going recently for you? Well, it's I've I mean it's I guess we got to go back to I mean the, the very beginning when um, my dad got me started shooting yeah. a sick bow. I mean I was you know I was probably. Now three four years old and he started carrying taking me around to all these shows um like these big rendezvous events and things like that and well and so to kind of preface um selway has been a company mm-hmm. since 1989 and my dad's best friend gordy mickens um he's he, he's actually okay. the one that started the company and that and that was actually it started was started in hamilton montana in the Bitterroot and so he he would come to these shows. This is pre-internet days. So he would come to all the shows and stuff. Well, and that's how him and my dad got to be friends. And by proxy, I just, you know, was tagging along. And, you know, fast forward, you know, 25 years. And in, um, I think, yeah, 15. Yeah. 2015, Gordy wanted to sell the company. And he reached out to dad. He's like, Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm folding it up. If you, if you guys don't want it, he goes, I'm just, I'm going to close the doors. And so we ended up taking it over in 2015. And yeah, it's just, it's kind of been a part of my life for as long as I can ever remember, you know, specifically, you know, traditional bow hunting and, you know, just the whole, the kind of that whole lifestyle and, you know, and then being around the company, you know, I was, you know, a little kid working in the booth with Gordy, you know, putting quivers together. Mm-hmm. And so, it's just been something that I've always done. And then we, you know, we had the opportunity mm-hmm. to take the business over and, you know, we, we did. And I, so I was an iron worker while we, we were doing both, both gigs. And it just got to the point where things were busy enough that it, it made sense for um, either my dad or I to, um, and he's too close to retirement to, to walk away from, uh, from that gig. And I still keep my book up and everything. So if I wanted to go back to it, I could, but, um, but yeah, so, that's just kind of how that played yeah. out. And then just, you know, meeting the right people, guys like, uh, you know, Snyder, for instance, you know, I, I had been familiar with him through some other avenues like um, online forums, like bow site and stuff. And I had reached out, I saw that he was picking up a stick bow and, you know, it kind of helped grow the company organically like that, you know, cause it had in the mid two thousands, you know, towards like the beginning of the 2010s, traditional bow hunting was kind of on, like it's real stagnant. So, we you know just but there, oh man kind of everything kind of happened all at once there was like this um i don't know all the stars line aaron picked up a stick bow um the guys at the push start you know matt and tim came came into you know what they were doing and then you know yep. we took over the company and i kind of you know breathed a little bit of new life into it and you know things got to the point like i said where it just got to the we just got viable enough where one of us could walk away from our gig. And, um, you know, I was for, afforded that opportunity, talked to the wife about it. It made sense for our family and, um, you just kind of opened up the schedule for us. And it's actually, you know, pretty awesome. It allows us to homeschool now and, you know, do, do some, do some things that, uh, otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Yeah. But yeah, the company's doing really good and, you know, I just, I'm so blessed That's at, awesome. at, on that front. But yeah, it's that's um, awesome, man. I, yeah, yeah. I, I want to go back to this uh, this time period. Yeah, this time period that you were talking about, where kind of all the winds changed in in traditional archery, 
you know, however, you know, what was that like 12, 15 years ago or so kind of with Snyder and the guys to push and all this other things started happening. So what do you think it is about traditional archery that kind of has this pull, you know, like, cause it's one of these things where I picked up the recurve last year, uh, just right about a year ago and immediately noticed just a difference in how I experienced archery as a, as a, really as an activity in general, right? Like as in, as compared to compound archery, like everything about it just made me feel different about archery. And then you notice like the communities around the two separate things are completely different, right? Like the, the compound guys are segmented even further within the own, their own stuff because of, you know, your Matthews guy, your Hoyt guy, you have all these other, right you know, other little things that segment the population, but then you like have everybody that's on the trad side. It's just everybody. And everybody's like stoked to have more people shooting trad stuff. And there's guys that have been shooting the same stick bow for 60 years. And there's guys that have just picked it up and everybody's kind of, it feels like a little more tight knit of a community on the traditional archery side. Is that like what you have experienced actually having a business that operates within that space? Oh, dude, it's absolutely, it's, it's a, it's a family environment. And there, I mean, it's, that's kind of how I've always looked at it is we're just one big family. I mean, I got some of my competitors, you know, that we've worked with together. Mm-hmm. You know, we run into a snag with maybe getting hood foam issues or something like that. And, you know, we reach out and help each other out, you know, and that's just kind of the way it's always been for me, you, you know, and I don't know if that's the pull to it. It's as if it's more welcoming because I don't necessarily think it's more welcoming yeah. at times because you have some of sure. your, you know, the old guard, the gatekeep, the gatekeepers. And I, and I personally, I know that there's a lot of people who disagree with this, but I think that there's levels to gatekeeping that are essential to protecting the integrity of a what whatever mm. it is, whether it's music hunting fishing doesn't matter i th- you i think that you need some of those guys to try and bring balance because uh, there's a yeah. been a i mean we're seeing it lately and, I, and this and I, we can kind of transition i guess i'll transition into that point later on here in a second but like there's a pull to doing hard things lately and are you know there's a lot more focus that you're seeing you know you got your guys like like goggins for instance and, and cam haynes and Jocko, it's like, oh, well, things are tough. Well, you know, good, right? And I think that has something to do with the the you know the gravitational mm-hmm. pull to traditional bow hunting. Um, guys are kind of maybe getting bored. I don't. Shooting a compound is not as easy as some of the stickbow guys make it out to be. Um, but yeah, there's definitely <laughs> right. an allure yeah. to you know it's 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 all it's all you right like you know and, and there's something to that for sure and I think that that has a big draw to it and I don't know maybe sometimes it's you know you get the the element of well this guy did it so I need to go you know I can do it too you know maybe there's some of that but I just think that the beautiful thing about it, it's just like working out right like you get out what you put in and I think that's kind of the maybe one mm-hmm. of the big draws to it is you know with this yeah. whole movement towards doing more difficult things, running headlong into the hard thing. I think that has something to do with it as well. That's a really good way of looking at it because I think in when I noticed it, you know, and when Brandon was 
you know, he was pretty instrumental in getting me in, involved in it, right? Like he was kind of getting me, getting on me about it because he knew that it would just from a personality perspective, it would be something that I would really dive into and enjoy. Right. Uh, just because it, my personality in that regard is as far as picking up things to do is very similar to him. Like where if I find something that I'm even remotely interested in, I'm going to completely dive into the deep end on it and kind of get obsessive about it. Right. And this is one of those things where that is actually very helpful because it requires a lot of that. And what I noticed was like just shooting, shooting a trad bow in general was a much more, it was like a much more meditative experience than just shooting a compound it like shooting compound i love still right and it's fun for its own reasons but it it's so it's so robotic in a sense right for me anyways right just how i this is just how i can explain it like how i experience it right it's just very robotic in a way but like when you're shooting when you're shooting a recurve there's there's so much that i have to completely focus in on separately of what it would take me to do the same thing with a compound that it just like I completely zone out and I can fire off arrows for like 35 minutes and be completely in this like flow state state of mind and be totally zoned out and there's not many things that I have that give me that type of mental experience right so like immediately that's what I'm noticing as this is something different and it makes me want to learn more things about it and so it's kind of cool because then you think about all the guys that, well, this is how, it's like, shit, this is how we've been doing it forever. Right. Right. right, <laughs> like, right. This is this is what it was. And having that deeper connection, having that deeper connection to the tool as almost just like an extension of your own body makes sense right. in a hunting environment. Like, that's the whole point. You want that thing to feel like a fifth limb when you're out in the woods, you know? And it's just, I there's... I felt a deeper connection to the device shooting a trad bow versus shooting a compound. Like that just felt like a, a high performance machine. That's like, if I just learn how to use this thing, I'm going to be dialed. Right. right. But it's more like I have to learn how to walk with a trad bow. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's honestly like the best way I can explain it. Oh no, for sure. And you know, one of the, I think the beauty of it is like there's there, you'll have days where you, and you, you're experiencing this, you're going out, you know, one day and it, you are like, you mm-hmm. can't miss. It feels like no matter where your anchor is, no matter what you're doing, it's just, everything is just, you are in, you're dialed, everything's clicking. And then the next day you go out and you can't hit the broad side of a barn and it gets frustrating. And I think that frustration leads to <laughs> you yeah. like, all right, I really got to get this figured out now. And yeah, that's it. Man, yeah. I've shot animals with both compound and stick bow. I, you know, I've, I've, I grew up. I killed my first deer when I was 12 years old with my longbow. I had a, you know, you know, I got to 15, 16. We all know where young males are at in that in that time frame of our lives. My focus really wasn't on putting in a ton of practice, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a few bad days mm-hmm. in the tree stand. And my uncle one day, he's like, listen, kid, he goes, <laughs> he goes, you're taking my compound out. So he got me all set up. And then I went on, I don't know, probably about 10 years I hunted with the compound <laughs> for a little bit. And I, you know, and then I came back to it. So I've done both. And yeah, there's mm-hmm. no doubt that there are situations like you were alluding to in a hunting standpoint where I, like, the, the idea, the thought process of a bull elk coming in and 
I gotta range. I gotta move my sight. I gotta do all. that. To me, just screams. I'm gonna I'm gonna muck it up. Like now, mule deer hunting. I'm coming in from above, whatever. I got you know. I can mm. range. I got the time. Different situation. But yeah. So when I'm hunting elk, I want to carry my longbow because of all. I don't. You know, there's. I don't have to do all that stuff. I just like okay. I wait for my opportunity and hope you know. Hopefully, I don't. You know, I I, I remember to pick a spot. You know, in that situation, but. You know, a whitetail buck come running by you in the rut, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's got, you know, hot on a doe. You don't have time to do a lot of that thing. So, yeah, there's situations where a stick bow or, a tra- you know, a traditional bow makes a lot of sense um, from an efficiency standpoint. That's an interesting thing to think about because I don't, I don't know that I've thought about it from – actually being more because that's i think what most people would argue as the detriment to the trad bow is that the compound are just more efficient right but like as you said well it's totally context dependent because if you're in a situation it where you need is, to yeah. not be fumbling with a bunch of stuff and there's a lot of other ex a lot of other external factors involved like it's actually more efficient to have less to worry about. And that's the case with, with the stick bow, like you said. So that's a cool thing to think about. I don't think I'd ever thought of it in those terms before. So I want to go into a, a little bit more like kind of practical stuff with, with shooting in general. Uh, when you yeah. are, when, or when you were learning, I guess, like what were some of the things that helped you develop as a as an archer with a stick bow like maybe some cues or some things that helped like teaching points that helped it make sense for you because i think so much of what i experienced at the at the very beginning was it's like i'll have i'll I'll go out and i'll shoot you know 15 20 arrows or whatever and you know maybe 13 or 14 of them are really good but i don't know why like they're like i hit it and i did something right i don't know what it was and i don't really know what i'm supposed to be paying attention to yet it's just like i know i'm hitting where i'm supposed to be hitting <laughs> it's like so until you kind of start to figure that out you kind of feel like you're you're doing something right but you don't know what and so right. did you have any of those things that's like you had those aha moments where it's either you know how to set an anchor point correctly and you're like what what was it that made it make sense more for you as a as so for a, me, when you were learning so for me i'm a little bit different because um, I started shooting one right about the time I could start walking. So this is just something that I've always known. But one thing that my dad, like a couple of the things that my dad always <laughs> yeah. harped on, harped on, was feet shoulder width apart. So have a good base. Um, keep a good strong bow arm. Get you know middle mm-hmm. finger to the corner of your mouth. So this so little pretext is like I. When I came up, there was no Tom Clum. There was no, you know, Joel Turner, you know, Rod Jenkins. There was none of these coaches. And so you had G. Fred Asbell as, like, he was yeah. one of the bigger guys who, you know, got, you know, God rest his soul, he just passed away here um, this year. And, but he was so foundational for a lot of guys. But it, But back to my point was, it was just kind of the fundamentals, right? So keep a good, strong bow arm, follow through, you know, middle finger of the corner. That was what dad always harped on. So if I was messing up, you know, Hey, you know, did you drop you, you know, did you drop your bow arm? You know, mm-hmm. and that, that's kind of just what was beat into me. It was just have a good base, you know, keep a good, strong, you know, trunk. And that that's just how I learned how to shoot. So over time I just developed my own system based on that, where I would, you know, I, 
I'd pick mm. my spot. I, you know, get, get my feet right, pick my spot, you know, get, bring my bow up, you know, come to full draw. You know, you just really, you know, burn a hole per se, you know, it's, you know, like throwing a baseball. That was always the big thing that everyone used to describe it. You know, you know, just pick a spot. And now, you know, as I've talked to some other yeah. guys, I've, I've added some other things into my shot. You know, I've gotten some other instructions on, you know, how to, my shot still needs some work, but I think the nice thing about the stick, any, any weapon discipline, right, is you find what works for you and Yes, there are definitely biomechanical ways to do things, you know, quote unquote right. But if it works for you and you can do it consistently, and that's that's sure. the number one thing is shot repeatability. I don't care. I don't care if you have the best form in the world. If you're not consistently doing it, you're never going to be good. You're never going to reach, you know, that really great level of accuracy. But so I would take the guy who has less mm-hmm. than stellar form but he does it the same exact way every time. That guy is going to learn that arrow. He's going to learn, you know, he's going to yeah. have that all mapped out in his brain. And that guy's going to be dangerous. So consistency, it looks like in everything in life, consistency is so important in just, you know, shot repeatability. So that's kind of just, you know, for me, it just it make sure I'm doing the same thing every time. Um you know, and, and that's I guess I'll be I'll say it again, yes consistency consistency you know no matter what you're doing but yeah obviously if i was new to coming in i would go right to guys like my buddy alex drossler who worked with tom um my you know tom you know i I would go to these guys and these coaches who have that really strong you know biomechanical make sure you know all the muscles and joints are in the right place i would be going to those guys and starting fresh that way now see i i'm coming from a different where my shot has suffered a little bit here in the past few years when I, you know, information overload, right? And so I've had to, you know, work on cleaning some things right. up. But yeah, so if I was like in, in your case coming in, that's I would be getting instruction, you know, whether it be electronically or in person, I'd be getting that level of instruction and, and really adapting it into my shot. See, I'm sure. I'm kind of like a stick in the mud a little bit. Like I know it works for me, so I don't want to, you know, change a whole bunch. Well, you make a good point with that too, because one of the things you had said there was like, I'd rather take the guy who can shoot the same, even if it's a little funky, right? But he does it the exact same every time because right. he's figured out how it works best for him. And it makes me think, it, it makes the, it gives me the analogy of like, you remember the, the sprinter, Michael Johnson, right? Back from the 90s and early 2000s was like the guy yep. with the golden shoes and was just killer, right? Yep. Uh, he had like the goofiest sprinting form ever. But nobody was going to tell him, he's like, oh, you're going to be more efficient if you change this. You're like, you're going to tell this dude that? Right. Like, he's literally beating everybody on the planet all the time. Right. (laughs) You know, he's clearly, sure, it looks a little funny, but it works. And it still is very efficient at what he does and how he does it, right? So I think that's what's one of the cool things about the the stick bow versus the compound. Because there really isn't that much variance allowed with how you're able to shoot a compound well. You kind of have to do it a certain way in order to make it shoot how it's supposed to shoot. Right. You know what I mean? Like there you can't because that's what you see a bunch of guys with with recurves or longbows or anything that kind of look like they have kind of their own style, whether they can't it a ton. Some guys are straight up and down. Some guys can't and lean forward a bunch. There's like all kinds of different stances. And you ne- you can't do that with a compound. 
because the way that the bows are set up, like it, you, you, it wouldn't shoot right. how you need it to shoot, which I think that's just another cool thing because it allows you to bring a little bit of your own something into it to make it comfortable, to make it where you feel good about shooting it. You don't have to kind of fit yourself into this box. And especially like if you just learn how to do it one way and you get really good at doing it that way, then that's good enough. You know, you don't have to change it necessarily. I mean, like you said, there are ways biomechanically that can help things out. But like if you've developed a thing and you're hitting what you need to be hitting, like good on you, man. Keep going. (laughs) Well, perfect example of there's this, there's a gentleman out of Wyoming that I've befriended and his name is Mike Barrett. And I don't know if he wants me talking about him on here, but I cannot talk about this guy. He's, (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. I think he's got over 50, okay. 50 mule deer bucks in the book. He's got over 20 bull elk, you know, in, in the record book. Uh, how many antelope? I don't know. Wow. He's got doll sheep. I mean, this guy's killed everything. No one knows about him. And he's only ever shot a stick bow his whole life. He's a Vietnam just vet, a just a crusty, just a tough old bastard. He's awesome. I love this guy. I love when I get on the phone with him because he just starts going and I just listen, man. I just, it's like, I just absorb. It's, it's amazing. And so, mm-hmm. but no one's telling that guy. And I'm sure his shooting, oh, I've so never cool. shot with Mike, but I'm sure his shooting form is probably, you know, what some guys getting in would be like, oh, well, that's undesirable. Well, you're going to look at his wall and look at his name in the book. He's probably, I would say, there's maybe only a handful <laughs> right. of guys who have killed killed more stuff than this dude. Are you going to tell him that what he does doesn't, you know, isn't right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's a hard that's right. a that's a hard sell. Right. But that's yeah, so I funny, mean, man. And I there's, love there's those. A lot of, I mean, that's one it? of the things that Brandon and I talk about a lot. Like those guys that you, you know, are just straight killers, you know, and, and will never, because they don't want it. Like they don't want anything to do with telling those stories via social media or like having the following or anything like that. But learning from those kind of guys are, and connecting with those kind of guys are the, are the guys that I love. And I'm like interested in those guys. There's still stuff to be learned from the guys who do it for a living and have the followings and and coach and have impressive resumes and stuff. But I just love the fact, just it, um, kind of romanticize it, right? Like there's just this, like you said, just this crusty old Vietnam vet that lives in the mountains in Wyoming, and he's just right. a slayer, right? Like, and he's probably oh, got dude, yeah. more information that he's forgotten in the last couple of months than I will ever know in my entire life. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, just something simple. Like he, he'll literally take and change the grind on a broadhead, like to, to make it suit his needs out, you know, how he feels, what's, you know, the more optimal thing like that. And that's the other really fun part about this whole thing is you can, yeah. I mean, you can really get in the weeds, like arrows from an arrow standpoint. Like guys will ask me, well, yeah. what do you shoot? I'd say, well, eh. I, 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 I will be very meticulous on my arrow builds, <laughs> and I will source other different materials and hodgepodge some stuff together that I, you know, that works for me. That you know, so I can shoot different style broadheads. Because, like, you pull mm-hmm. out my quiver, I, I'm sharpening heads today before you know to load up the truck, and like I'll have four different broadheads in my quiver because I just, I, you know, I just like to try different things, and then I, you know. Mm. I like what works for me, but there's a guy by you that, um, that's one of those type of guys, Russ Meyer. 
I don't know if, if you know him or not, but he's I think he's in Nampa. Oh, that okay. dude, he's a killer. Uh-uh. He's a he's a real killer. Oh really? Yes, yes, and yeah, he's you know compound stick bow. I might have to reach out to you about him, dude. If he, especially if he's yeah. in Nampa, dude, that's literally where I am. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's but he's another one of those guys doesn't have a whole lot of uh, no, you know, you know, you don't see him in the insta face world. But yeah, he uh, just kind of you know flies on the radar. But that dude is <laughs> he's tough. He's one of those guys. Like, I love talking to guys like that because like yeah, I've been doing this my whole life. I'm 35, but. Man, there's some guys who have really done some things, and when mm. when those guys talk, I I listen because you're gonna pick something up. Yeah, seriously, that's man, that's so cool. And I think about it too, just in this in this traditional archery world, right? And it's one of the conversations that I've had a, a bunch of times, um, and it was really kind of the impetus for for Brandon actually making the change to go over to the recurve was this idea that he was a, a really, really good shooter with a compound. Right. And I kind of felt the same way, like was a really excellent shooter, but in his, like in his words, he'll say the same thing. He's like, I wasn't as good of a hunter as I wanted to be. He's like, if I I could shoot the lights out of anything, but I wasn't as good of a hunter out in the woods as I wanted to be. And like, I kind of, felt that too and that's one of those things and i know what you're i know your buddies with uh with zach owens also and zach's around here me mm-hmm. and her buddies too and he's told me before like uh when he was when he was coming up he's like you know i, I shot bow my whole life but i you know I, I rifle hunted for a long time and he's like and then when i started bow hunting with a compound you you think in terms of how close can i get Right. Like every time I so so he's like, I can shoot a, a rifle 800 yards and kill something. And then I start shooting with a bow. And then he's like, and then I go out to with my rifle again, you know, a year later. And it's like, well, yeah, I can shoot at 400 yards. But what if I get to 100 with a rifle? He's like, so then I start right. doing this with a bow right. with a compound. He's like, and then I start getting, you know, I'm inside anything inside of 60. I'm dead on the money on. And so he's like, and then I start shooting a recurve. And he's like so I shoot recurve for a while and then I go back to shooting a compound and he's like, well, yeah, I can shoot at 50, but what if I got to 20, you know, with my compound? And so he's like, and and then I start shooting a trad bow more, more regularly. He's like, yeah, I'm at, now I'm at 15. What if I can get to seven? You know? So it's like, there's this concept of how you start thinking differently about just hunting in general. Oh, absolutely. Dude. And I don't want to like, like I'm not trying to, I like, I don't want to poo-poo on people but like I just you know speak plainly but like when I hear guys taking like the the the, the concept of taking a 500 yard rifle shot like oh like you really couldn't get closer cuz like I know like as my my, my mentality as a bow hunter my whole <laughs> life it's like what do you mean you couldn't get within 100 yards like it's to me the concept is so foreign to me like I, and and I'll be honest with you, and this right. may ruffle some feathers, but we are in a state where you you know you are talking. We are losing our hunting skills rapidly. There's a lot of guys out there that lack what I would call mm. real hunting skills, and they've sub, they've um, substituted them with technology. Um, mapping is a huge one, um, and I'm mm. guilty. I mean, you know, I, I my map skills definitely need some improvement. Um, like, cause you know, 
they just deteriorated. I carried my freaking map with me in my hand on my phone, and um, so that skill's deteriorated. But yeah, yeah, there's, yep, there's. I think, and I think that 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 that. You know, when we were talking about before, you know, kind of the, the allure of traditional bow hunting, I think maybe that is some guys are kind of, I don't want to say getting bored, but just, just looking to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say level up either. Cause like, I don't know, it's just different. Right. So it's just, it's a different level of challenge and, you know, and to put the, I don't, you know, and say put the hunt yeah. back in hunting, but yeah, it's just, it's different. Um, I don't know. Different perspectives give you, you know, like I like you said, I look at the, you know, the rifle, the the guy who's a long range rifleman, yeah. and I'm like, I just the, the concept is just is so foreign to me, so it's hard to understand. <laughs> but, but yeah, the deterioration of hunting skills is 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 a real thing, and you know, we're I think we're we are all guilty of it to some extent. You know, even, I mean, there are some guys who they they really really delve into the primitive side. And those, I respect a lot of those guys, but mm-hmm. I don't want to get off topic, but one of the things that most, I would say most of your super, super successful bow hunters or hunters in general all have a strong foundation in, um, in trapping. And I think that for whatever reason, you know, most, most of the guys I know that are like that next level type of guy. Yeah. Even, even the local guys here, my, my, one of my buddies, he's, just always got a knack for getting into him, and I and but he grew up trapping with his dad, and I think um, I think that's that's something that I think early on when you get into it early on it kind of instills that um, that that skill level, it kind of you know puts you on a different different peg. What do you think it is about trapping? Because I think with trapping though, with, with, skills. With, with trapping you can't, yeah, you can't. There's there's not a lot of technology that's gonna make you a good trapper. You know what I mean? Like you have to read sign, you have to be able to know. So I mm. think that that plays into it too. Yeah, that's it. I never even considered that. And like the first person that I thought of when you said that was Zach, like who we were just talking about, because he that's that's what he does too, and that's what he's done since he was like a little kid, I'm like, wow, the first person I thought of was a perfect example of what you were talking about, <laughs> you know? Um, but that, that was kind of like where I wanted to take the, the question next. Yeah. Those hunting skills that you had mentioned before, where do you, like, if you're, if we're talking to somebody about like, how do I become, like you said, like we were saying, a better woodsman, better hunter versus just being a better shooter and archer, Right. What are some of those right. foundational skills that you said, like that you were saying, you know, we've lost some of these skills over the years. Like what are some of those things that we can work to improve to become better in the woods? Yeah. So, so for me, it's you, nothing can replace time. Like you can read all the books and that like so be a student of the game. No doubt. Like, absorb as much information as you can get old books old magazine articles because those were written in a time before we had this you know technological boom within hunting in about last 25 years so get older books get older Mm -hmm. material and and absorb as much of it as you can but but time in the field there's no better teacher for me that you know growing up you know hunting songbirds in the yard with my BB gun. You know, for instance, like that was like, 
I know you're not supposed to do that, but that's what I did. And yeah. I, I just think that it's that these skills are within <laughs> us, and that's I, I it's just they're within us. And to time a field will help unlock that stuff. It's just it's 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 blood memories, right? Like our ancestors. Yeah, I, I believe in that stuff, and I think you just got to get out there. And detach from the modern world as much as you can, and it will help. Man, those things will help, you know, just manifest themselves within you. Um, so, but but learning how to be quiet in the woods, there's nothing that I can tell you, other than you have to go figure out how to be quiet in the woods, yeah, on your own. You you know, go walk around, go try and sneak up on a deer, <laughs> you know, in June, whatever the time is, like you know sneak up on your kids on on your wife whatever just things i don't know things like that um just just practicing <laughs> being a predator there's nothing but there's like you said there, those are just things that, that's one thing that I, there's nothing i can tell you to be make you better at that you have to go figure out at least in my my opinion is you have to go figure out that on on your own how to do that you know in your own way you know I, you know i've read some things you know the the toe to heel method of of walking. One thing that I did pick up from a guy, Jim Akinson, who was, um, he worked in backcountry rescue in the Chamberlain Basin, um, in the Frank church. And he's a big mule deer hunter. One thing that he talks about is, and I would have never thought to do this, but like he calls it the lost wallet. He goes, walk up on deer as if, you know, you're looking for your wallet on the ground, pay him no mind, you know, don't pay him any attention. And I'll tell you what, it works. It doesn't work every time, but it, it, you can't believe the amount of game that I've gotten really right. close to just by, by not, by being unassuming. Um, you know, so that's, it's just, but, but you got to get out there and you can sit and you can read articles and you can, you know, watch YouTube videos. You can listen to podcasts and those are all amazing things. I've learned a lot of great things, like specifically in calling elk uh, from those things. But, so you get it, but you have to put, you get this theory, but you have to go put it into practice. Um, so absorb as much information as you can, but you got to get out yeah. and do it. Nothing can, nothing can replace getting out and doing it. Yeah. Get as much, get as many reps in as, you know, get in the woods as much as you can. The idea of blood memories, just cause I love that phrase is awesome. And I want to get into that for a second because it's one of these things okay. where, you, you know, we, we talk about this stuff being with, within us already, right? Like you said, and mm-hmm. one of the things, because, you know, me and you haven't talked a ton about in the, in the past about how, where I came into hunting and stuff, unless you just heard me talk about it before, but like, I didn't get into hunting until I was out of college and a lot of it had to just do with sports. And I just had other stuff going on. There wasn't anything I was against or anything like that. It was just, I never took it seriously until I had the time to do so. And like all my right. friends hunted growing up, I was more in, on the fishing side of stuff, doing steelhead and all that kind of stuff prior to, but just hunting and being out in the woods, I never got into until I was out of college. And so, you know, I didn't have this growing up in the woods hunting phase of my life. But what I realized was even when I would go on these longer trips and when I, when I felt like I didn't know anything at all and I didn't right, like I didn't actually know anything, but after you're up in the woods or in the mountains for a couple of days in a row, 
and you and you've had enough time away from the population and other people and now you're just immersed right it usually takes a couple of days to get completely now immersed into nature right like once you get yep. to that point there were things that i was realizing that i could hear and see and notice that i didn't think i was like oh i never learned how to see or look or like or or you know i never learned how to actually glass a mountain but it's like i'm realizing I can do this stuff pretty well. Like there's, it felt like I'm like, I knew how to do some of this stuff already, even though I didn't really know how to do it. You know what I mean? And it took oh, until no, I was like yeah. totally removed for 40 straight, 48 straight hours before I realized I'm like, Oh, I, yeah, this makes sense. I can do this. You know? Yeah. That's, I'm a firm believer in it, man. Cause I, I, like I see my kids do it. Like my boys, I have, you know, I have, I have three sons in that, well, I have five kids. So I have two, two daughters and, and three boys in their ages range from 12 mm-hmm. down to, uh, you know, six weeks old. But my, my three boys are kind of, you know, they're right there in the middle. And mm-hmm. I don't know why it's with boys, but I see them in the backyard because they just do things differently than girls do. Um, at least, you know, I, you know, I've seen yep. them with my own kids and, I don't like it's definitely and there's no doubt it's within us because I watch my two-year-old sneaking through the grass trying to stalk up on you know a squirrel in the yard or the dog laying down and it's I've not taught him how to do that that's he's doing that on his own and you know eyes forward right we're we're (laughs) predators and yeah it's I don't it's it's within us and like you said you got to get yourself out there and this is where I kind of like I don't not want people to come experience this thing that I love, but also like the more people that do it, it gets harder for me to go do selfishly. And so, but yeah, I mean, if more, (laughs) if more people would just get away and get out and like you said, just get yourself 48 hours, 72, whatever, you know, and disconnect, man, when take your shoes off, walk around ground, you know, you know, get your feet, you know, dig into the soil and just really feel what it's like to be, you know, connected. And, you know, like, I, that's like, I, I don't know, I guess maybe be a little hippie ish, but I'm, I believe in that stuff, man. And it just unlocks that, yeah. that, 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 that thing that's innate within us. When you're, when you're learning a lot of this stuff too, because, learning a lot of these woodsman skills, right? Like there are things that are important to know. And so that we're not saying like, don't go, like you said, learn all the information you can because there is actual skills. That's like, I need to be taught how to do some of these things. Right. But what we're talking about as, as it relates to this is really that sense of observing nature and and being able to see and hear and and be a part of nature in a way that you aren't currently like that is kind of more of what we're talking about right now where it's like yep. that's one of the things that can't be replaced with learning how to do something like there are things like yeah you need to learn how to know you know from a survival standpoint right like there's right. there's fire making there's you know knots there's all these other like mapping and all these other kind of things that you were talking about like you can do that kind of stuff in your backyard you know to a certain right. extent it you still can get better at it by doing it up 
in nature, but there are things that you can practice and do those kind of things. But there's this level of you need to be in the environment in which you're trying to, you know, quote unquote, compete, right, for to, for a degree. Because we always think about like hunting season and we call it seasons and we make the correlation to athletic seasons. And so like you train all year to get ready for hunting season, just like you would to get ready for football season, right? Like right. Th- this, we're coming up on it right now. Like you're getting ready to leave in a few days. Like we've got stuff. The next few months are game time for, for, for us, right? And so this concept of like, this is what we train for, we have to be able to supplement that with getting ready to actually do the thing. And the only way to do that is to go out and be a part of the thing. You wouldn't train for a football season and never step foot on a football field and just live in the weight room and then in the film room all right. six months prior to the season. Like you got to actually go do stuff on the field, you know? So there's this, there's. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, so I can tell you, I can, I could describe to you how to read the wind in the mountains. But you aren't going to have any idea what that's like until you go do it. Until you until you learn how to read the wind in the mountains. And it, it, it was a huge hmm. huge thing for me. I all, you know, coming back from east hunting whitetails, you know, I can get consistent wind directions here. But it's so it's just, I love this type of stuff because going out west and hunting elk in the mountains, when I come back home here, I look at wind so differently now because it's like now I pay attention to thermals. If I got a still morning and it's that sun's gonna come up bright, I'm gonna go get I'm gonna push the wind on a buck in his bed because I why? Well, I know I have the rising thermal. And I never, never ever would have considered that until I got out west and I hunted in the mountains. And learned what that was actually about. And, you know, my dad had talked about it for years. And, you know, just never, the concept just never registered with me. But, man, you know, just things like that, yes, you can learn that. But, like, again, I'll say you have to go put it into practice to to truly understand it. Um, yeah, that's, mm. <laughs> you know, we talk about seasons, you know, coming into season. I was just telling Brandon about this the other day. It's like I go through this. And I'm sure there's other hunters out there who will relate to this, but this metamorphosis of types where I'm not and self admittedly. And I, this, you know, just, just being honest, not a lot. I'm not very pleasant to be around at times this time of year. Um, because I'm going through that change going into hunting season for me, this is (laughs) not just, Oh, I'm going to elk camp with my dad. Like this is something that is, absolutely 100% defines who I am as a human being. And like, you you know, I hear the question, you know, thrown around quite often the past, you know, probably half a decade or so. Well, why do you hunt? I don't know. (laughs) I don't have a good answer to that question because this, like I said, like (laughs) it's literally who I am and like, you know, we're getting ready to go and I'm, I'm, pack and I'm getting all my things prepped but while I'm doing all these things inside I'm I'm changing you know physiologically into getting into hunt mode like I don't eat as much um Mm. my training schedule changes a little bit like I get really into you know I I you heard the term hunt hungry before but like we'll go out to camp and and I'll lose 10 pounds you know while we're out there because I won't eat like but I'll 
and now that I know more about nutrition and things, I'm forcing myself to do mm-hmm. these, you know, because I know I can perform at a better level if I do. But yeah, it's, it's, it gets difficult for me because I'm going, I just, I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's just, it's just the way that it is for me. I can't, I, it's very hard for me to describe. It makes me wonder too, like that sort of, uh, that behavior, like you said, where you'll, you'll stop you're, you'll start eating less leading to, cause you know, you're going to be eating less in the mountains. I mean, like that's stuff that you just kind of know too. I mean, so we, we go back to this. I understand just innately what it requires of my body to go do this and be effective. And it's like, I don't know why I do this. Well, like something in, you know, something in, you knows, right. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I'm going to be a lot less or a lot more scarce with food for the next 14 days or however. It's like, I don't want to be shocked for the first three because I've been eating all this food normally like I would. And then I all of a sudden I get up to the first 72 hours are miserable because I'm like, oh, I don't have as much food as I usually do. Like those kind of things in prep make sense as you're getting ready. And so you're thinking like you're talking about this physiological change. Yeah, yeah. You guys, exactly. you guys were just talking about like Brandon was mentioning like, yeah, you know, maybe try these meals before you go. But like, dude, I don't even like think about that. That's just you know how deep I've been into this thing. Like that stuff is just not even a thought. <laughs> and I, dude, and that's funny. I have to check myself sometimes when it comes to the to newer people getting into it. I have to remember that not everyone. Was, is you know been doing this as long as I have you know it's I basically crawled out of the womb you know in following my dad yeah. you know hunting and that's just I have to <laughs> che- I have to I have to check myself because my perspective on things is is quite a bit different that's funny man the the whole thing I think just from a it really does seem like it's personality not dependent but there are certain personalities that get attracted to it, I think, more so than other forms of hunting, right? And yeah. which, is, which is weird because forever this was the only form of hunting. So you would think, like as we're talking about things that are, are within us already, right, like that everybody would kind of have this inclination or this kind of pull to it to some degree. But I think anymore... We were like with this whole conversation where we've talked about how we've removed ourselves from this to a large degree. The people that get attached to it now have something specific about their personalities that pull them to it. And it seems, you know, like, you know, other than the archery stuff, I'm finding out that you and I are similar in many other ways, like that we've talked about offline, you know, prior to this before. Me and Brandon are so, like, there's things about our personalities that make it make us drawn to this right and and things about zach that i know and things about other guys that are in it's like there's a common thread there and whether or not it's like one specific thing i don't know but there's some thread there that i see in the guys in the traditional world and even guys like Corey hawk who is the boyer who is on alone and he's like he makes unbelievable stuff and you know there's a bunch of those guys it's like there's something about that's woven in there whether it's awakened whether it's something clay yeah all those guys or it's like i don't know there's something there and and i think that is more prevalent now when you see the split between the guys who are like the super compound heavy guys the, and then the rifle guys and then the the tradbow guys there's 
threads in each, and I notice that now that I'm kind of more involved with the traditional side of things, I see that more in like just the personalities, which is a super interesting observation to make. Oh no, you're dude, you're spot on. Like most, well, not most, like all of my best buddies we're all kind of messed up in some way and we all shoot stick posts like like we you know we kind of got some (laughs) sick humor or whatever it is but like but we all shoot sticks and i don't know i just kind of i don't it's kind of funny how like you were talking about you meet people within this space you you start off sharing a common interest and it's just it's 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 funny how many other shared interests you end up having um Maybe it's a, like a creative brain type situation thing. Like, cause I know for me, like, I don't know what it is about music, but like, I, yeah, I love music. I don't, I don't play it, but I, 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 I love listening to music and I don't know what, like what it is, but like mm. all of my buddies who do the same stuff that I do, we all listen to the same type of music. Yeah. I, like, I just don't, I don't know what it is. I, I just, That's it awesome. is like my buddy, Derek from Louisiana, he's a big, you know, musician and, he shoots a stick bow and we listen to the same stuff. We're always, you know, doing the same thing that you and I are doing, like sharing, you know, new bands and all that. And it's like, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny how that works out. You know, the, the you know, how different personalities kind of <laughs> right. come together like that. That is pretty cool. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping it up. I want to give you the chance to kind of, to talk a little bit about, uh, we, we did at the beginning, but to talk a little bit about Selway, uh, a little bit more in depth, um, yeah. because, because what you make, I mean, just from a craftsman standpoint is awesome and they look rad. So why don't you, uh, why don't you just talk a little bit about what it is, uh, that you make and, and how and why you make it the way that you do? Yeah. So we build traditional bow quivers. So, um, you, you can have, and they're, the we have several different attachment systems, but you know the the main impetus is, you know, a two piece quiver that you're going to leave on the bow, and you know you can hold up to four, five, or six arrows. We got several different options, but the 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 bulk of what we do is um is our our hand stitched um, rawhide quivers that we make out of cowhide. And so, I mean, it's. Yeah, they're, 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 it, it has, presents challenges working with organic materials like that because sometimes it wants to do its own thing. It's got a mind of its own. Mm. But, but yeah, so we do them. I mean, I can. It's we get so much cool stuff. Like I get some cattle hides that have a big nasty scar on it where the cow got you know ran through some barbed wire or what have you or the big brands on them. Like I mean, it's it's really cool. Um, <laughs> I would say our best option, like is the most popular, would be like our slide on style quiver. Um, we have the strap system as well. Um, you know, the, they're like boots. You got to take care of them. Um, they will weather if you don't, um, if you don't, uh, you know, treat them every now and again. It's, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's an organic material. So it's, it is prone to, you know, some change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to make sure you take care of them. But yeah, so, I uh, mean, uh, I'm just trying to think what, um, like, you know, we got, obviously we have all the custom laser options that we can do. So if you, if uh, like a guy called and like, I've done pictures of, um, like a guy sent me a picture of a, uh, stick figure family that his daughter drew 
scan it into the computer, put it on there, got it all dialed in, you know, for, for the program, <laughs> nice. and laser engraved it on the quiver, which is really really cool. So you can add that, you know, that personal level, you know, that personal touch. But so, man, we got tons of options. I would say it, it kind of just everything is so situational. The best thing to do if a guy's interested in something is call me. I don't, I'm not familiar with every bow out there, but I've seen a whole bunch of them and I kind of got a really good idea what might work best for you. Um, and, you know, I would say the number one thing, if you're going to be a bow quiver guy, put it on and leave it on. You know, like, uh, what was that, Ron, I forget, the Showtime Rotisserie guy. He's like, mm. set it and forget it. Like, put it on there and don't worry about it anymore. Um, tune with it, get your stuff self-shooting right. Mm-hmm. And don't take it off because, I mean, it's such a valuable asset. When From a bow hunting standpoint, you have everything attached on the bow right there. I'm talking with my hands. But um, you got everything right there on the bow. If you got to get a follow-up shot, which is very, very common, if you bow hunt long enough with a stick bow, you will get a second arrow. It's, it's going to happen. So you got everything right there if you need it. Um, yeah, so oh, what else is there? I mean, color-wise... I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. I'm just trying to think. Um, we could do ton. I could do different color threading, yeah. different color rawhide dyes. I mean, I can do a whole lot of stuff. I just, you know, if somebody's interested, just reach out. I mean, my number's available out there. You can send me a message, um, email, you know, on Instagram as well, um, Facebook. I mean, my stepmom, Debbie, handles a lot of that other stuff. As, um, so she can, you know, she's pretty well versed in it too. And if she can't help you, you know, I'll definitely, you know, get, get, get everybody squared away with the right setup for them. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, dude, we're coming right up on an hour, so we'll cut it here, but I want to, man, thanks for making the time. And we got it, we got it done early in the morning, which I'm glad we did because this was probably the only time for either of us that was going to make sense to get it done. But, uh, man, thank you for making time. It was good to chat. We'll probably have to do another one of these to get, to get a little bit farther into some stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. Have a good trip coming up here soon. Good luck in a couple of weeks. And yeah, thank you. Thanks man. again, man. I appreciate it. No, yeah, appreciate you having me on. And um, like I said, if anybody needs anything, wants to reach out, just sell away archery.